My hunch is that on most days, we would much prefer Luke's version of the Lord's Prayer rather than Matthew's. Luke's version is shorter. It takes less time to say it. You can fit it into a busy day more easily with much less filler. It is also more direct, even even pushier, in what you're asking God to do. It's basically boiled down to the imperative verbs that we are requesting of God. Give us our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. Lead us not into temptation. I mean, it makes sense for Luke's version to read this way. He puts the teaching of the Lord's Prayer in a whole section in his gospel in which Jesus is teaching his disciples to be persistent in asking God for blessings. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. He would tell those disciples right afterwards in Luke. But Luke's version is not the one we have most commonly memorized. The one we know is in Matthew. And in Matthew, the Lord's Prayer is given to us in a very different way. Here, in the Sermon on the Mount, it is not about persistently asking God for things. It is about remembering that you are not God. It is about looking at yourself in proper perspective. Now, when is the last time you prayed that? Prayed in order to remember that you are not God. That's the purpose of the Lord's Prayer in Matthew. Remember that for the past two Sundays in our Sermon on the Mount series, Jesus has taught his disciples that it's not just about our outward behavior that's important, but our inward motivation. We need to make sure that our heart is pure and holy and directed toward God and less directed toward ourselves. And that's why so much of what Matthew adds to the Lord's Prayer The words that are not in Luke's version are so important to remind us that God is God and we are not. And it all begins with the very first word in Matthew's version, which is not found in Luke. Our. Luke's version jumps right into Father in heaven. But Matthew would remind us of something very important, that when you pray this prayer, you are not saying, my father. You are saying, our Father. It's a reminder that God does not belong to you. You are not the sole recipient of this special relationship with God. You are are saying, our Father, which means that you are interconnected with a a wider family of people, an an inclusive tent of persons who who may otherwise be different from you, whom whom the world might even try to categorize and separate from you. But we are all children of the same God. Matthew's simple addition of the word our is itself a reminder that you are not the center of the universe. And you are not the privileged recipient of God's attention. We are part of one family together. The second phrase that Matthew adds that is not found in Luke's is, which art in heaven? And we don't have to quibble about whether it's which art or who art or, or why we even say art when that's clearly Elizabethan English from the King James Version, which Jesus never said. The important phrase here is in heaven. Matthew's version locates God in heaven, which Luke doesn't bother saying. Why? Well, I love the reason that Amy Jill Levine gives in the book that many of our small groups are reading as part of this worship series. Dr. Levine reminds us that by adding the phrase Father in heaven, Jesus is making a daring and bold political statement. 
against the earthly political rulers of the Roman world. The Roman worldview was an elaborate power structure in which those at the top had all the power and those at the bottom were powerless. And who was at the top? The emperor, of course, the Caesar, who was given the title father of the fatherland, the tip of the very top. But not according to the Lord's Prayer in Matthew. When we say, our father who art in heaven, we are saying that Caesar is not at the top. Earthly rulers and kingdoms are not at the top. Our primary allegiance is not to any one kingdom or any one flag or any one country. God is at the top, and it is our citizenship in heaven that should always be our primary concern. When you pray the Lord's Prayer, at least the traditional version in Matthew, recognize that simply saying those two words, in heaven, means you are pledging your ultimate obedience to God, not to yourself, not to any earthly kingdom. And that's why the next phrase that Matthew adds to this prayer is so important. Both Matthew and Luke say, thy will be done. But Matthew adds, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This prayer is about invoking the reality of heaven to become a reality here on earth and not the other way around. In other words, this prayer is not about me trying to ascend a power ladder to get up to heaven. This is not about us trying to escape the misery of earth or rise above the chaos and brokenness of our world in order to have some exclusive access to some privileged position with God. Because if we believe that, then our values need to be turned upside down. Because this is not about us trying to get up to God. This is about God coming down to be with us. Emmanuel, Matthew says. And this is about God using us to usher in the reality of heaven right here on earth. Remember, Matthew's gospel is the only one that concludes with the reminder that if you are waiting for Jesus to come back, you can stop waiting because you can see him right here, right now, in the naked, the hungry, the imprisoned, and the sick, the least of these. Matthew's version of the Lord's Prayer reminds us that God's desire is to bring heaven here on earth, and we're called to be part of that work, right here, right now. This is not about asking God for blessings. This is about asking God to use us to be a blessing so that God's will can be done on earth as it is in heaven. And the very last thing that Matthew adds to Luke's version of the Lord's Prayer is this, deliver us from evil. It's not that Luke doesn't believe in evil. I mean, of course he does. In Luke, Jesus casts out demons and heals people of unclean spirits, just as he does in Matthew. But Matthew would add this phrase to remind us that evil is real in our hearts and in our society. But evil can be conquered when the power of God's love is set against it. In her book, Dr. Levine puts it plainly and directly. She says, quote, Some of us may not believe in Satan in the sense of an actual, supernatural, malevolent being who possesses people so that they act in destructive ways. Personally, she says, I don't need a Satan to recognize those things in the world that tempt us. Drugs, alcohol, gambling, pornography, and so on. But we do need resources to overcome addictions, and the Lord's Prayer is precisely such a resource. Matthew's version of the Lord's Prayer is longer than Luke's. To recite it requires more time, 
and invites more pondering and contemplation. The words that he adds give it more depth and complexity and ultimately remind us of this truth. We are not God, and we need to get our hearts right with God. So it is in that spirit that I invite us into a slower, more contemplative recitation of the Lord's Prayer. I'll invite you to recite it with me, line by line, as the words appear on the screen. And in between, I will offer additional words for us to meditate on together. So let us pray the prayer that Jesus taught us to say, praying together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Remind me that I am not to pray my Father, but our Father. For you do not just belong to me, O God or to people who are like me. Remind me that you are bigger than any barrier that divides me from others, and you alone deserve my praise beyond political ideology or tribal identity. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Amid the brokenness and evil and injustice in this world, I desperately seek a glimpse of your kingdom, your kingdom of love, in which voices of prejudice are silenced, your kingdom of grace, in which which racist hearts are transformed, your kingdom of peace, in which violent actions are overcome with nonviolence. Remind me of how the story of your love ends, how there will be no more mourning or sadness when people from all over the world will gather to worship you. Now help us to see that reality now on earth as you've promised it would be. Give us this day our daily bread. Oh God, I need the sustenance that both comforts and strengthens me today. So grant me the bread that consoles my sadness and quells my fears for this country, for this world, for our future. Grant me the bread that firms my resolve to resist evil and injustice. Remind me that there are many around me who hunger for the same and grant me the opportunity to feed them that which I have received from you. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. O God, convict me of my own prejudice, prompt me toward confession, and lead me in the tough work of reconciliation. Teach me how to forgive especially when retribution seems more rewarding. Help me, in the words of Richard Rohr, to overcome the bad with the practice of the better. And may that work begin within my own heart in the way I see others. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. O God, tempt me only to do good. Tempt me to seek justice when I am reluctant or fearful. Lure me away from temptations that cause more harm and do not lead to peace, and silence all voices within me but your own, that I may know the difference between the two. May my every action and thought be governed by love and not driven by my sinful instincts. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. God, help me to hope, remind me to seek the glorious, eternal, in the brokenness of the temporal. Focus my eyes on your power and glory, that I might believe in the strength of your grace, even when adversity afflicts me. Remind me that my primary citizenship is in your kingdom, 
which is greater than any tribe, higher than any flag, and most deserving of my allegiance. And let all God's people say, Amen.